four, three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. Dispatches, a production of Blur Bank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hey everybody, this is Dan with Blurb. I am in San Jose, California today with a longtime friend, Donna Enid Knapper. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Doing great. And you are, uh, I'm up here to give a talk tonight. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, you are the curator and the director of education at the ICA or the Institute of Contemporary Art in Correct. San Jose. Yes. That is quite an impressive title. Well, it's a mouthful. <laughs> That's uh, that's a great title, though. Yeah, sure. well, I kind of made it up, but anytime you have curator in your name, mm -hmm. I think that that's a good thing. Uh, but the first question I have for you, which I'm sure is, will you give me a show? I mean, that's it. That's why I'm here. Well, that's what I thought you were going to be here for. So um, the answer is no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just kidding. That's good. I'm sure you've been asked like uh, probably many thousands of times for uh, people to give you a show. But I want to go way back, okay. which is back to the Stockton era, right? Because you're from mm -hmm. Stockton, California. Yes. Yeah. So first of all, there was I read about your unicorn fetish, mm. and what is uh, mm -hmm. what's the what's the deal? You wanted to play with unicorns when you were a kid. Well, I think that kind of stemmed from there was an assignment in elementary school, and they said, you know, they asked if you were to be an animal, what animal would you want to be? You went straight to unicorn. Well, yeah, because I, you know, and they say why, and just because it was unique. I didn't think any of the kids would answer that. You know, they would probably say dog or cat or something like that. Yeah. And so I just, you know, try to be different, I think. <laughs> Unicorn, that's, that's definitely different, I think. Uh, I think I remember getting that question, too, too, in school. Yeah. But Stockton, did art start at a young age for you? Uh, in fact, no. No. Late no. in life. Late in life. Um, I did not grow up around art um, never went to museums except for one in Stockton. We took a field trip to the museum to see a mummy, okay. an Egyptian mummy. So uh, that was about it. Did that have some sort of lasting impression on you? No. no none, none. Nothing. It Zero. was just field trip. Correct. Okay. <laughs> That's fair enough. And what about your parents? Did they, did they love art or were they into uh, art? Zero. Same they still me. don't quite understand what I do. <laughs> and uh, they would never be able to tell you what my title is curator they wouldn't understand what that is yeah. so um so it wasn't in the family it wasn't in the home um i wasn't around it and so when did it become an essential for you i mean you have a career you've had a career in art mm -hmm. for a long time now yeah. so when how old are you when it first impacted you um i was in i was trying to think when i met michael my husband well i've known you guys for 18 or nine, 18 years i think yeah yeah. Yeah. And I think you guys worked together a short time before yeah, I met you. Yeah, about two or three years before you. Yeah. Wow. Um, but before that, yeah. So I believe I was in my late 20s, early 30s, around there. And I moved to Los Angeles. Well, let me go back. I actually started in the legal field. Okay. I'm a certified paralegal. I think I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. White collar crime. Uh, banking cases, things like that. And so I moved to Los Angeles, and my attention was to go to law school. That was the next step for me. So one of the first people I meet in Los Angeles is my husband, Michael. Mm -hmm. And he was the first artist I ever met. So. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, 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 no. 
Well, it was a funny story because when we were dating, um, he told me he was a painter. He didn't say artist. He said painter. <laughs> you thought so house painter. I did. I was yeah. wondering in my mind, I asked, you know, I wonder if he paints interiors or exteriors of homes. So we actually, the, for our early relationship, we wrote letters and talked over the phone, which nobody does anymore. And um, Very romantic, <laughs> for sure. So, of course, I didn't know what kind of painter he was this whole time until I visited his apartment. Mm -hmm. And I saw the paintings. And, you know, we talk on the phone and he said... Oh, I just got back from the paint store. So I'm thinking, Don Edwards, maybe he went to Home Depot. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I go to his apartment, and I think, oh, that kind That's of painter. The artiste. And I couldn't even tell him. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't tell him for months that that's what I thought. And so you transitioned from the legal field into art after being corrupted by... I was corrupted. You can either thank him or blame him for me being in my career as I am. Um, but, uh, well, what started to happen, eventually I lived with Michael, and I was around the work, and we started to go see art together. And I remember the first time he asked me, after he finished a painting, and he said, well, what do you think? And I panicked inside. I didn't even know how to answer that. Oh, my God, what, what am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to say? Is it good? Is it bad? How the hell am I supposed to know? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but the more that I started to see art, the more I wanted to see it. The more I learned about it, the more I wanted to learn about it. And we would have endless conversations into the night about art because he's really good and open about that. Yeah. So he sort of taught me how to look at his paintings. So when he would have shows, like um, you may remember uh, Michael Falonis, the architect, oh, yeah, he yeah, had sure. a show I there. love that space. Yeah. Yeah. And so suddenly it was the reception. Well, first of all, I was helping him with his inventory, which nobody ever, you know, I have the business mind. So I'm organizing his paperwork, doing a price list, things like that. And during the reception, I started to describe his work to our friends. And I would show them things and tell them behind the scenes stories. And they would tell me, Donna, you seem like you're in your element. And I'm like, what? No, no, no. I'm in the no, legal no, I'm field. Illegal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I just, I just started to go to see art on my own. I started to listen to talks and um, just sort of learn about it. And then I thought, well, I wonder what it would be like to work at, a, at an art gallery. So I was working in downtown LA mm -hmm. in the Wells Fargo building. I don't know, something like the 18th floor. And I was auditing commercial real estate files, which are about this thick. And I, and I decided to do an unpaid part-time internship at an art gallery wow. on La Brea. So I was doing both. So I had a split personality. I put my suit on and go to the legal job. <laughs> and then there were days when I was low man on the totem pole at the art gallery, but I was loving it. So it was supposed to be for nine months. And, well, it was supposed to be for three months. At the end of three months, I pretty much begged the gallery owner to keep me. Keep you on, yeah. Yes. So I stayed for nine months, unpaid, part-time, while I was still doing the legal job. So it got to a point where I thought, well, I wonder what it would be like to work in an art gallery, to actually be employed in one. So I just did a complete career switch, and I, I just felt... I can always go back to the legal field if mm -hmm. this fails. Yeah. 
And that was how many years ago? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. You're officially stuck now. Yeah. Come on, you're a curator at at an art institute. (laughs) I have no interest in going back. I mean, I actually enjoyed working in the legal field. Um, I was making some decent money. Mm -hmm. I worked with some incredible attorneys, but it. I could never describe it with a passion as I was starting to do with art. So I was starting to, you know, switch over. Well, I think what you're speaking to speaks to a lot of really important things. One is choosing a career in art is not necessarily the easy path. You have to really want it, whether you're the person making the art or the person representing or the combination of the two. But you said something a minute ago that I think is really interesting, which is when you first started talking to friends about Michael's work and you said you were telling the backstory or the Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. Yeah. How much a part of that is today when you're talking about work in the gallery or say that you're representing somebody, Mm -hmm. how much of the behind the scenes and the story of of the artist is Mm -hmm. actually important for the person buying the work? Um, I think it helps. So when I had the gallery, um, it was a way to reach a lot of people who weren't familiar with looking at art, Mm -hmm. too. And um, sometimes there would be stories about the artist. Um, Nothing that the artist wouldn't want to be told. Oh, sure. and sometimes it would be something about the process uh, or my relationship with the artist. Just some, some, because also people remember stories oh, yeah, a for lot sure. more mm-hmm. sometimes. So they, it was just that um, way of connecting and helping them in an, um, an intimidating way for them to have access to the art and looking at it and trying to understand it. The reason I ask is that years ago when I started to sell books, I realized mm-hmm. pretty quickly that it was a lot easier to sell books in person than it was online. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, okay, well, that kind of makes sense to me, but like, what's the real reason? And the reason that came out was that people said, look, I want to hear the story again. I need to hear the story of the book. I kind of want to know about you. And it was, mm-hmm. yes, they're buying the book, but they're also buying the idea of who I am mm-hmm. and like where I've been and what I've done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I figured with art, it would have to be something similar. Well, along yeah, lines. I mean, this is the visual arts. So obviously I, I put that first and foremost. But I think when uh, when, it, when I had the gallery, um, it, it, it did help with the selling point. I mean, this is different from an artist's point of view. They don't have to sell their work because they have the galleries, but the galleries, you're a business. Yeah. And um, finding that way to connect to people because I am not the artist. And people you know, always ask me that question if I'm an artist and I'm not. And so as you have a career in art and in some way, shape or form you are, and in some cases it's probably pretty significant, is you kind of have, you're at a position where you have people's lives, careers, sort of in, in your hands in some way. Because if you latch on to someone or say, look, this is really incredible, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a solo exhibition of this work, that's a huge deal. And so, first of all, how often do people come to show you, show you things? Is that something that happens all the time? And it's got to be a pretty interesting feeling to, to look at someone and think, this is amazing work, and mm-hmm. I'm the one that's going to be able to like, bring it out and bring it to the world. Yes, there's a lot of questions in there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, How often do people come to you to show work? All the time, but it's part of my job. It's been part of my job for years. And so I look, I I enjoy looking. Um, I'm sorry, I'm stumped. (laughs) No, that's okay. So you look, I figured that people would be bringing stuff to you all the time. 
and yes. you get to look at it. And some people, yes. I'm sure, love doing okay. that, and other people are like, oh, you got to look at work well, again. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not conscious of the part that you say that I can affect people's careers. Of course I do, and I do like being in this job. I always, I think, must work in a job where I'm working with artists. Mm -hmm. um, and it is a feeling of satisfaction and fulfillment that I did not get in the legal field. Um, but I'm not necessarily conscious of that. Uh, when I had the gallery, sure, I'm doing my best to, to promote the artists. To, to sell the artwork, mm -hmm. to get it out there in the universe. So I just feel like part of the cog in that machine, though. You know, so. And you had the gallery in L.A., in yeah. Culver City. Yes. This was after your, your unpaid internship, Correct. and then you stayed on, and then you eventually got your own gallery, Den Contemporary. Yes. Well, and I actually worked at a gallery in between that, in, I think in I Bergamon remember. Station. Yes. Oh, you did. That's yeah, right. I remember, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you all, didn't you also work at the one on La Brea? Yes, that's okay. where I did my internship, and he, he eventually hired me to. Okay, that's what I, I remember that yes. for sure. And then I went to Bergamot, uh, stayed there for a few years, um, I think maybe three altogether. And then I just wanted to spread my own wings, and I was getting experience. I can look back, and obviously I was developing my eye at that point, and wanted to express myself that way with you know the artists that I work with, the art that I want to surround myself with. And uh, so I made that leap and opened up a space in Culver City. I mean, that is such a fantastic example of someone. That, that to me, is a, is a remarkable story of saying, look, mm -hmm. I have a career in, in legal, which I like, and it's, a, it's safe, it pays. Yes. You know, you could probably look yeah. ahead and see the future. And you went into a career where you maybe can't see a few weeks down the road. Yeah. But you did it because you felt you had to do it. It was something that you reacted to so strongly. Mm -hmm. That is precisely right. And when you look at work, mm -hmm. the, the, next, the, the question that's going to follow this one mm -hmm. is what is what actually is good art, mm -hmm. in your opinion? But when you look at work, you, you have to react to it in a certain way for, yes. for you to like it. Do you have any way of describing what that is, yes. that reaction? Yeah, the only way I can describe it, and this would be for me and maybe not anybody else, but um, it's just all intuitive. That is something that I believe that I had developed by making that des decision in switching my career. Mm -hmm. I was following my own intuition for the, probably the first time in my life with a big decision like that. And it was serving me well, it was making me happy, and it was wanting me, I wanted more. Yeah. You know, um, so I followed that, and I like to think that that was a good lesson for me. I mean, what is good art? You know, it's, so I know you, you ask it. 10 people, you get 10 different yeah. answers, right? So for me, I have to feel it, in, there's something intuitive going on. There has to be. I, that has never let me down in intuition, and um, it might have led me in different directions, but it's sometimes I feel like the only thing I have that's solid that I can count on. And how quickly does that reaction happen? both in a positive and a negative way from you. If I put a body of work mm -hmm. or a single piece of mm -hmm. work on paper in front of you right yep. now, how quickly does it, does it work? Most of the time, very quickly. Most of the time, very, very quickly. Um, just because I've seen so much art. But there are times, there have been times when, say for example, I'm at a museum, I'm looking around, I might initially walk by a work, like a painting or something, and perhaps there's a little 
you know, label next to it. Or mm -hmm. later on, I read a catalog or read more about that artist. And I learn a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then I may go back and then I may appreciate it more at that point. That doesn't always happen, but sure, it can happen. But there's also something intuitive to me to seek out reading and learning more about something, that work or Something artists. led you to the, right. to the caption or right. the story. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, when I do go see art, like at a museum or a gallery, I'm usually, which drives my husband crazy, but I'm usually the kind of person that will look at everything because I, al I also want to look at something that I don't like, mm -hmm. that I have a negative reaction towards because sometimes I want to understand why. And to me that, you know, I say negative, but it's not a bad, not yeah. a bad thing. Well, because you may look at it and say, this doesn't work for me. Right. But the next curator may say, oh, this is perfect. This Absolutely. is exactly what we've been looking for. Which right. is what I, I love about it is, is that it's so intuitive and mm -hmm. so subjective. Yes, Whereas an artist, you make whatever it is you feel you need to make. Yep. And you just keep putting it out there until it finds the group that it resonates with. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. When you look at the artists that you've known in your career mm -hmm. now and you see, let's say you work with artists and painters and photographers and sculptors, mm -hmm. are there characteristics or traits that these people share, especially when it comes to the actual creative process or even how they make their work? Uh, for example, I love writing and I'm fascinated by mm -hmm. how writers actually, where they write, when they mm -hmm. write, how mm -hmm. often they write, mm -hmm. those kind of things. Every time I'm with an author, those are the first things that I ask them amazing similarities across the board from authors mm -hmm. I've talked to all over mm -hmm. the world. Time of day, location, what they're doing or not doing. And the reason why people make art to me is, is really at the core of why I'm fascinated by it. And I just am curious about mm -hmm. consistencies between mm -hmm. how people work. Well, I am personally interested in the process, no matter what the medium is. Um, but that's not necessarily saying that I am going to automatically like most work that is uh, process-oriented. Um, to me, as far as the, the characteristics of artists that I've worked with over the years um, or that I have chosen to work with, there's nothing that necessarily ties them together as far as characteristics uh, because I'm pretty open. And even with personality, I, I like to say that if an artist is a very difficult person and everybody hates them and they can't get along with anybody, well, that's fine. You do that out in the world. But if you and I get along, yeah. uh, you know, if everybody hates you and you hate everybody else, as long as we can have a working relationship, I'm fine. That I'm fine with. Uh, but as far as something that does connect the artists that mm -hmm. I seem to be drawn to, yep. It sort of defines to me what an art, a true artist is, maybe, um, that they are dedicated to their work. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to work endless hours every day, you know, weekends, weekdays, everything. You know, and I know life happens, and, um, but there's something, there's a need, there's a drive. They're compelled yep. to continue to create, and it may be with their drawing, their painting, photography, whatever, and it may be everything else that they touch in their world. And I recognize that. It's this creativity that must come out. And if it doesn't come out one way, it's coming out in other ways as well. And, and it's evident. It's evident. It's like they, they would die if they didn't function like that. 
So I sat in a room a couple of weeks ago with a very uh, well-known designer, mm -hmm. and he and I was in a room full of people who were all really skilled illustrators mm -hmm. and designers. And he said, I can almost guarantee that everyone in this room was a quote-unquote strange child because he said they didn't really know what to do with us because you, you did have this thing in you that said, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've got to do these weird yeah. things on the side that you think are kind of hobbies, but in yeah. fact, they're not a hobby to right. me. It's like why my heart is beating mm -hmm. is to put this stuff out. Yes. Yes. So one of the phrases that for me personally has always been sort of a, a, a lightning rod for me is the concept of starving artist. Mm -hmm. And I get it based on what we just talked about of people mm -hmm. saying, look, maybe, maybe you have to sacrifice some yeah. things in your life to get done what you have to get done artistically. Right. But I also think some people use it as a refugee or, or quite kind of a, an out where they say, well, I'm not really making any money because I'm a starving artist, mm -hmm. when in actuality, potentially, they're just a poor business person. Right. And I think what you were talking about earlier with Michael is like you're mm -hmm. doing, I'm making pricing lists, I'm mm -hmm. doing all these things mm -hmm. for him because he's making art. That's right. How do you feel about that term? Mm -hmm. Is it is it... Mm -hmm. Do you care, or is it kind of a sensitive thing for you? It is not a sensitive thing. I, I, I understand. Like I said, I know life happens, and life you know, is, is not easy sometimes for people and artists. But that it, you know, they're, they're, I believe that if you're making art, I like to believe that it should be out there in the universe somehow. So you know, whether it's through a gallery, Mm -hmm. And that's what the galleries are for, that business end of it. And hopefully you will strike up a relationship with ethical, you know, art dealers that could help you to do that. Um, but you can make all the art you want. Once you choose it as a profession, that's you know, a you, big, that's the thing, a big right? thing. The yeah. same thing applies yeah. to photographers. Yes. I love photography. Yes. I love photography. I want to be a professional photographer. And right. my question a lot of times is why? If, because you understand what you're about to get right. into. It changes. Right. It changes everything. It changes, yeah. And some people can maintain it, mm -hmm. and they maintain their style mm -hmm. and their mm -hmm. vision, and they become yeah. professionals. And, and I would say the vast majority are, are what I call compromised right. when they get in. So right. that, and is it rare for an artist to be able to come up today and, and completely retain sort of you know, everything they want to do? Or is it pretty easy to get sidetracked by like, Hey, this stuff is selling really well. It's kind of commercial, and you know, maybe if you made more stuff that looks like this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how much of the equation is that? Mm. Well, this this kind of came into play more when I had the gallery. I was going to say because you. Yeah. And, and my next question was, mm -hmm. you were you had your own gallery, and now you're yes. in a museum space. So I'm sure that the dynamic has really it's changed. Di yes, it's changed. Um, there's some similar things that I do, which I'm glad that I continue to do, like work with artists. But yes, things have changed. But I had the gallery for almost eight years. And, wow. Um, yeah, I know. I, it just Can you believe is so it? incredibly fast. <laughs> I know. That's I know. incredible. Eight years is a good... And now I've been here at the ICA two years, like almost two and a half, I think. So <laughs> where's the time going? It's going way too fast. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so that, I had to, you know, weigh that, having the gallery, you know, um, whether it was sort of a decorative, more... And I tried to stay true to a vision that I had that if I felt that it, the quality for fine art was there, then I would work with it. I don't care what necessarily what other people say or their other opinions because someone is bound to have an opposite opinion. Sure. And someone in the same business, your colleagues are bound to have a dif different opinion. So, you know, I would just try to do my best, again, following my own intuitive thing. And, um, you know, it was interesting because when I opened up the gallery, my 
first thought was that I was only going to, well, I was going to mostly work with abstract painters. Mm -hmm. and, and I did throughout having the gallery. However, I started enjoying other types of work. You, you, know, did, you did everything. You did video yes, installations, yes, sculpture. I, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things I told myself I was not going to get into was photography because I didn't know much about it. You know, I sure, didn't know sure, that. sure. You were just like <laughs> anti. You're like, ah, photography, come on. I didn't. I didn't understand. And the addition thing drove me crazy, you know, as far oh, as yeah. inventory, right? And it's like, what is side? What do you print it on? And do you get it framed? And a lot of, the, a lot of questions, a lot of work goes into that. So, um, but again, it just became what I was drawn to, uh, what I wanted to work with. And it was eventually everything. I didn't. I, there was one video artist, Brandon mm -hmm. Morse from Washington, D.C., who I um, uh, represented. And I did work with some other video artists here and there, like in group shows. And then Brandon, uh, I gave him his first um, West Coast solo show in L.A. Um, but I could not work with that too much, even though I loved and appreciated it, because hard to sell, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. And yeah. installations, I love installations. You know, Leila Cardenas from oh, yeah, Bogota, yeah. Colombia. Yeah, yeah, I remember you that. You know, um, she is most uh, mostly an installation artist. Sure, she does some smaller sculptural types of things, which I sold a lot of, but she really, I wanted to, I wanted to be true to what she was being true with her installation art, to give her that opportunity. And thankfully, in her case, she did have some work that was sellable and I sold a lot of. I don't require that. I don't say that artists, installation artists or video artists have to do that kind of mm -hmm. thing. Because I don't like to tell people what they should or shouldn't make. Right. You know, it's like you follow your heart and it's not... And that decision, you may not necessarily be following your heart. You may be following that dollar sign. Yeah. Well, you know? and, and I think what you're speaking to is a really important part, which is for a gallery owner and the artist as well, life is in some way a per, in, in a perpetual state of flux mm -hmm. because it is, you have to make money. Yeah. You know, there's a, I was in LA and there was a, a panel of photo gallery owners mm -hmm. and someone said, Hey, what does it take for me to do an opening at your, uh, to do a show at your gallery? Mm -hmm. And you know, the first three people said, Oh, you gotta have this, you gotta have that. And, and the last person who caught a lot of flack for it said $35,000. And everyone said, like, what are you talking about? And he goes, that's my overhead for the time mm -hmm. that your show will be mm -hmm. up. Are you going to sell $35,000 mm -hmm. worth of art? Mm -hmm. and, and people really sort of castigated the guy yeah. for it. And I said, that's like the only real kind of nitty-gritty answer. Yeah, it's realistic. Mm -hmm. Which I, I get yeah. it. I understand making work that's yeah. commercially viable. But I think it's, right. a, it's always a balance. It is a balance. That's exactly what I was going to say. And that's one thing that I had to learn having the gallery. Because, you know, my heart was also telling me to work with these other types of works you know, installation and, you know, video, things like that, as well as the paintings, which probably I sold the most of is paintings. Sure. Um, but, um, yeah, in large-scale sculpture, things like that. So I had to have a balance of it. And in order for me to have the, that, that huge video, sh video artist that took up the entire gallery, you know, um, you had to in order to have a show like that, I do have to have somebody that I can sell work of. And so... Yeah. Kind no, of it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> Cyclical. Yeah. So, okay. We're going we're gonna to fast forward here to the future, and I've come oh, to you, future. and I've said, Donna, you have no limitations. You have endless supplies of funding. What is the best case scenario for you? If you, had, if you could do anything you wanted to do in the art world, you could own a, own a museum. Okay. You could retire to okay. the south of France. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
what would it be? Well, I would probably do all of that <laughs> and probably just have different channels that I would, you know, you know, disperse the money. <laughs> but you would still but, be in art for sure. Oh, I would totally be in art. I mean, I would probably do something like have a foundation that could, you know, help artists, that could help nonprofits. But first and foremost, I think I would look into doing something that could affect kids. You know, maybe helping the schools that they lost their funding for art. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more of that going on. And I just think when I had the gallery, because I did not grow up around art at all, I love when people would bring their kids in, even if they were infants, you know, even if they were the, the terrible twos and they had the attention span, uh, you know, yeah. tiny. And, um, but it's just that exposure that I never had. You know, the mummy thing didn't, doesn't count. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> that doesn't the mummy. count. The one mummy. No. <laughs> that doesn't count. But yeah, so I think I would love to start it early, you know, and there's, there's so, many, so many things that can happen from that you never know. So I love when kids come in. I love when classes of all different uh, grades come in and at least they're there. At least they're stepping foot and being sure. around this weird thing that they may have no idea who, what, when, where, or why. And the other thing about kids seeing art is they are honest. Oh, yeah. There's no filter. <laughs> There's sometimes I'm thinking I'm having the gallery and it's like, oh, I'm glad the artist isn't here to hear that. <laughs> but they're honest and I like to hear that, you know, because it's just that kind of takes you back to like, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> that yeah, innocence. Be, be careful what you ask the kids. <laughs> Last question is, <clears throat> what's the one thing that you don't have that you really wish you had? That can be anything. Could be in my job. In your career. In my career. Yeah. Well. Okay. Here's the secret. Unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, well, here's the weird thing. The weird answer is, I think, sometimes, not all the time, I think that I would uh, have liked to have had an art history degree. Mm. Now. Most of the time I don't care, and obviously I have grown in my career without one. Mm -hmm. um, I like to say that I got my learning from the streets. <laughs> <laughs> the art street. But, you know, um, I don't know. I think that's something that, you know, uh, it would take a lot of time. I, I've, over the years I've thought about it, but I'm just so busy and enjoying what I'm being busy with. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning a lot in a different way, but I completely can learn. Just by being around art, I can learn the rest of my life sure. about life, about people, about relationships, about so many things, you know, political things. I mean, issue, different things. I'm just constantly learning. So I have that satisfaction, but I don't have that degree. Mm. to show that. So it's very unusual for a curator of a museum to not have the art history degree. Very unusual. Um, but it's not impossible. I just met two other Bay Area curators that don't yes. have art history degrees. And I'm shocked about them not having, especially one guy, he's been, you know, he's been around for a while and he was based in San Francisco. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, but that, you know, just to kind of put it out there. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, it's nice. It's mm -hmm. refreshing in a way because I think it's just about the magic that you have as a person. You know, you can mm -hmm. learn about art like you've just yeah. said. You've, you've expanded oh, yeah. on your own over the past mm -hmm. 10 years or however long. 
And it really is about, I mean, I think the curator to me is a, is a, is a magic position where you can't, even if you had a degree and you could sit here and tell me about the nuances mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. 18th, 17th, 15th, mm -hmm. 16th century art, that's not the same. It's yeah. like I meet you, I mm -hmm. talk to you, mm -hmm. and it makes me want to go to the ICA. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, your, your enthusiasm is in, infectious to me. Mm -hmm. I don't have an art degree. I took one art class in college and it was terrified me. <laughs> so it's but you mm -hmm. present an energy that says, I want to go to the ICA. Oh, good. That's fantastic. Okay. So 32 minutes, that was awesome. Oh, I told really? you it would take 15, Gosh, so I lied. It went by so fast. But thank you so much for taking time to do this. Well, it was a blast. You. I can't believe it I'm, took this long well, to do I'm this. Well, I'm honored. I just, you know, thank you so much. Of course. We just have to do the portrait, and then we'll be, we'll oh, be done, which I'm going to do at the museum, by okay. the way. Okay, yeah. all right. Because you get that cool museum-y yeah, light. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the museum-y so, light. -y. thanks again. Thank that was you, fantastic. Dan. Okay.